This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Hi, and welcome to episode uh, 89, sorry, I forgot which episode we were on, of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, and I'm a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. And just as a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. No, they don't. And here's an interesting coffee fact. I'm all about the word origins. If you know me, you'll know that's true. So um, if you've heard the expression, a cup of joe, well, you know it means a cup of coffee. But the reason is because joe um, is most likely a shortened form of jamoke, which is a combination of the words java and mocha. And we got this information from an episode of the Grammar Girl podcast. See, I told you I was nerdy. And we are going to link that in the show notes so you can be nerdy too. We love being nerdy. So we would like to welcome tonight's guest, who is Veronica Alvarez. And she will be talking to us about the impact of redesignation, um, what it can have for our ELLs, our English language learners. So, Veronica, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Um, Hello, everybody. My name is Veronica Alvarez. I was born in Jalisco, Mexico. Um, My family came to California when I was about seven years old. Um, I entered second grade. I lived here since then. Um, I am a mom of two awesome kids that are now 17 and 10 years old. Um, Never a boring day with them. And then I have been teaching for 14 years now. Currently, I teach fifth grade in a wonderful community in rural California. I love my job, and I feel blessed to have the opportunity to inspire and support so many young kids. Great. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here and talking to us about this. Thank Um, you for having me. It's exciting. Um, So first, can you explain what redesignation is for those who are unfamiliar with that term or possibly outside of California? Okay, so redesignation is basically the process that English language learners have to go through and to become reclassified as English proficient. We often call it RFET, um, but basically what it means is that students have demonstrated that they've attained the English skills that are comparable to that of their English-only speaking peers. So students that are eligible for redesignation in part are considered eligible based on the scores that they received on an annual English proficiency test that they take. Um, And California has four criteria that districts should consider, but how the district addresses the criteria can be determined by each district. So there's a little bit of flexibility in terms of what specific tools they use. Great, thank you so much. Um, So uh, you have a unique perspective coming from uh, another country and being an English language learner yourself and the impact that it has uh, for redesignation. So can you tell us your experience as an ELL and um, being redesignated and and what that had for you? Yes, of course. Um, So because my primary language is Spanish, 
Um, I was considered an English learner from the time I was first enrolled in a U.S. school until the end of sixth grade when I was redesignated. Um, because I was not considered English proficient until sixth grade, I didn't have the opportunity to be enrolled in honors courses during middle school. Um, I remember being told that I had to be English proficient for two complete academic years and then you know, be monitored and prove that I had the English skills before I could even apply for honors courses. So this inability to complete honors courses in middle school then impacted me when I tried to enroll in AP courses in high school, um, opposed to many of my peers who seemed to have automatically transferred into AP courses from honors. Um, I had to get like multiple letters of recommendations from different teachers, um, asserting that in fact I was ready to be in an AP rigor course. So not being able to participate in honors because of my EL status really affected the ability that I had to attain higher rigor courses that would prepare me for college. I'm not quite sure if this experience was based on district policy, now that I know more of how redesignation works, um, or from state mandates. What I do know is that because it, I had such a late redesignation, um, and even now, students who are redesignated late in their education, like middle school and beyond, um, results in students being placed in courses that are limiting their access to core curriculum. And this in turn limits their ability to participate in elective courses when they're in high school. Um, in addition, their specific criteria for redesignation may vary from one district to another and are often changed from one year to the next. So in my opinion, it makes the process a little subjective. It sounds like it's a moving target as well for kids. So yes, it they, totally is. Um, so that experience, I, I, I'm already moved by your experience. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so how did that make you feel um, as a student going through all of that? Well, it was really frustrating. Um, my parents didn't speak English, so I don't think they quite knew how to reach out to schools and really advocate for me. And I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Not until I was a junior in high school was I able to enroll in AP courses. Um, but, you know, I, I fought for it and I got in there. I, was just, I think that's one of the reasons why I chose education because I think it's my duty to help other students like myself who might not know what to do or where to go in their education and whose parents might not be able to advocate for them. Thank you. Um, it is a really, very powerful story. So moving on from that and being in, and inspired, um, you know, to help, you know, our, ling our language learners, how can we ensure that our English language learners are getting what they need in order to be redesignated and find greater success? Okay, so the first thing that I do as a teacher is a deep analysis of the assessment and the criteria that our district is requiring of my students. So I look at the practice test, I look at how they will be scored, what ty types of skills are targeted, and what types of questions they have, like how are the questions structured, and then I find ways to tie all of these skills in my day-to-day -day instruction. The second really important thing is to know your students really well, look at their data, their work samples, listen and speak to them, um, have conversations with them outside of the classroom, and make a mental note of their language strengths and language needs, and then tie in those strengths and needs into your instruction as well. I like to use a lot of cognates. I'm really, it, it's really easy for me because I speak the language that most of my students speak, so I 
I quickly find the cognates when I'm teaching. Um, but I know cognates are available for everyone to be able to use, regardless if you speak a different language or not. Um, so look into your curriculum and try and find some of those cognates to apply in your instruction. Finally, practice, practice, practice. Give them the opportunity to talk and collaborate with their peers, model proper English, and then correct their speaking. I think a lot of times teachers are afraid to correct students because they think, oh, they're not going to want to speak, but that is really important. It is crucial to model it and have them repeat it at that instant. Now say it correctly for me. And so that's really important. Thank you. Um, I have a, a situation in my classroom where so many of my kids, and they're hearing the word had, H-A-D, they're hearing it wrong. So when they talk to me, they'll say, I had it to go to the office. So it's, it turns into had it, H-A-D-I-D, mm -hmm. and they write it that way too. So like I'm constantly talking to them about, um, you know, pulling them aside kind of privately because some kids need that private thing. And, and they'll say, okay, I had to go to the office. And then I had it to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for something like that of like, is it just that continuous practice and continuous uh, redirection? Yes, it's totally just that. Keep, keep at it with them. Um, eventually they will catch on. Um, there is no, with, in terms with verb tenses, especially with past tense, it's a very common mistake that they make. Um, so again, just keep redirecting them and whenever they do say it correctly, point it out so that okay. they feel good. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Do and do you tell your students that you were also an ELL student so they can, you know, relate to you? I do. Um, I tell them that from the very beginning of the school year, I let them know about my struggles with um, English language acquisition and how sometimes I still make grammatical mistakes or mispronounce something. And I always shout out, all right, my Spanish is showing. It must mean that I'm excited about what we're learning. And so at first, all of the students kind of laugh when I say, hey, my English learner is showing or hey, here comes my Spanish. Um, it kind of popped up. But at the end, they all kind of find that it's okay and I encourage them about how mispronunciations and it's a celebration of our bilingualism and that's a wonderful thing. So I feel like they feel more comfortable knowing that I make mistakes that they also make. That's great. And I, I only speak English, very limited Spanish, and I make mistakes and have to pull out <laughs> Siri to try and spell <laughs> words as well. So <laughs> I can relate to that part of it. Yes. Um, so what is one suggestion that you would have um, that would make a bigger impact on you and gotten you redesignated earlier? Um, I was a really quiet, shy girl. I think in part it, it was because I knew I was learning English and I felt kind of out of place. But I think the one thing I feel is that I was not encouraged to speak as much as I should have been. Um, I was, again, very quiet and I worked really hard. So I think most of my teachers just kind of let me slide on by. Um, maybe they felt bad for having to correct me when I spoke aloud because I probably made a lot of mistakes. Um, and so they often excused me from speaking and they would even, I remember they would assign me a peer to translate for me or speak for me. And so try to avoid that at all times. I find that my students do the same. They find a buddy to come tell me something. So I always make them come tell me. Um, so just give them a lot of opportunity to speak. Great. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add to this for our listeners? Uh, any other suggestions or advice? Um, not really. I think overall, I just feel like it's another 
I guess, kind of hurdle that our students have to jump through. Um, this English language acquisition exam is, or this, it's really difficult. I don't know that a lot of our EOs would actually be able to pass that exam. Um, I just keep telling my students to keep a head up and stay positive. Throughout their life, they will encounter a lot of testing. And as much as we, not all of us appreciate it, or it's not always a wanted thing, I think it's important for me to teach students or for teachers to teach students on how to kind of overcome that feeling of anxiety with tests because they will definitely see tests again. So I think overall, just make them comfortable with the idea that tests happen, they come and go, do your best and move on, you know? Yes, thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I think that it's important for us to share all of our stories and you have such a unique perspective. And we would also like to thank, uh, thank you, our listeners, for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please go ahead and leave us a comment to let us know um, what you think. So tonight's comment question is, what strategies do you use with your ELLs um, or, or other students to help them to help them along. Sorry, I'm getting all tongue-tied this evening. Join us on Wednesday, December 4th, when we will have Tony Vincent, and he will share his innovations about ShapeGrams. Yes, we're very excited for that. And um, thank you, Veronica. This was really interesting. Um, and I love, I just want to add that I really love uh, talk, when you were talking about celebrating bilingualism, because I think that's something that we often don't appreciate as, a, as much as we should with our students who are English language learners, that they often know more languages than teachers do. So I just, I yes, love I that. agree. Thank so you thank so much you. for having me. I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad it was wonderful. And um, if you're listening, please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you do, please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please visit our website at tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks.